0: Good morning, uh, for those that don't know me now, my name is Sean, I'm part of the team here at the Foundry. Um, and I'm just going to share uh, Love Part 2 with you this morning. Um, now, last time I uh, spoke, I did Next Lines, and we've got that back again today. Uh, we've got some chocolates on the front, so if you get... I'm going to say uh, some famous words from a famous song... And I'll stop. And then if you know what the rest of the lines are, please either sing or shout it out. Are you up for that? Yes. If I pick you, then you'll need to come and grab one of these twirls at the front. Um, however, there was I got a lot of feedback last time I did this. Apparently, my music taste isn't to everybody else's tastes. So I've... I've, I've um, I co-opted it out this time, so somebody else has put this together. So firstly, if you don't know these songs, don't come complaining to me. It's not my fault. However, on a totally unrelated topic, Lois, you can't take part. And there's a twirl for thank you for something completely that you didn't do for me this week. Right, are you ready for next lines? Yeah, come on. Right. Come on, Tom. If you shout loud enough, I'll probably choose you. Um, so don't be, don't be shy on this one. So let's have the first one. Is it there? No, it's not. Wise men say only fools rush in. I've got it. Thank you for everybody who took part in that one, but, I'm, but I've got to give it to Ian. Ian, come grab a twirl, mate. Let's have the next one. I'll be your dream. I'll be your wish. I'll be your fantasy. Wow! Rachel White, straight in there. We have found the Savage Garden fan. Uh, next one. I hope you don't mind. I hope you don't mind that I put down in words. Pardon? How lonely that can be. How lonely that can be. <laughs> How lonely that, I think, I think. Yes. Michael, Michael. Come on, Michael. Come grab one. Right, there's there's two bars in there, so you can share it with with, uh, my brain. Daniel, there we go. I don't think I'll do this again. Um, Next one. When the rain is blowing in your face and the whole world is on your case. Fair enough, Megan. Come and grab one. That was uh, Adele. Uh, fight it out with Megan. I know we'll win. Um, next one. And time goes by so slowly, and time can do so much. Are you still mine? I need you. Who said that? Rachel White again. Oh, uh, that was. Come on then, Lynn Holland got that. Rachel already, she's already had chocolate. And the last one. Father, 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 help us send some guidance from above. I think, was that you Sandra at the back? Who was that at the back? Whoever it was on that back row, just come and grab a bar of chocolate. Where are they all? There you go. There you go. No. No. She doesn't know what it (laughs) is. Now, as I'm talking about love, it would be wrong of me not to give my leftover one to my wife. So I'll, um, I'll do that. I was once invited to a Christian radio station down in Stoke. And the topic of the, um, the reason I was on was to come and talk about heroes of the Christian faith. And they were doing this, they were running this series and they asked local pastors to come in and just share heroes of the local faith, of, of the Christian faith. And um, people had gone on and they talked about these big names. They talked about a guy called Smith Wigglesworth. Anybody heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Yeah. A guy who once... Uh, in one of, his, one of the books that I wrote, read about him, was on his way to preach and 15 minutes into the car journey, asked the driver to stop the car so he could get out and pray and ask Jesus for forgiveness because he'd gone for 15 minutes without talking about Jesus. That's... Okay, there's another guy. You don't have to have a funny name to be a big Christian superstar, but it does help. Um, So Reinhard Bonnke, a guy that spoke to hundreds and thousands of people all over the world about Jesus. What about, somebody talked about Mother Teresa, the Catholic nun that helped and served in the slums of Calcutta, um, meeting and reaching out to them with the love of Jesus. These were all, and there's, there's loads, you could go on forever, And talk about these heroes of the Christian faith. So I was there. I was in the studio. But I didn't share about worldwide renowned Christians that had books written about them. Or wrote books themselves. Or spoke to hundreds of thousands of people. I shared about some of my Christian heroes. And they were people like Boris and Martha from the church that I went to in Stoke. They were a guy called Tony. Tony and his wife another lady known as miss austin these were heroes of mine what were the kind of heroes that you were shouting out about talking about let's have a, an idea who who did you say was your heroes Shoot, superman yes. superman fantastic batman batman Great, wasn't where I was thinking of going, but we seem to be running with that one. Anybody for Iron Man whilst we're at it? <laughs> Pardon? Peter, as in Peter from the Bible. Peter from the Bible. Who else, what about somebody from over here? A hero. My grandma. Your grandma, fantastic. <laughs> See, we, we have all these ideas of heroes. And more often than not, they are famous, well-known, they have worldwide celebrity status. But for me, that wasn't the kind of hero that I was looking for. You see, the kind of people I was looking for and looked to at my heroes was this guy called Tony Backenstoke, who was an ex-motorcycle policeman who served the church for 25 years as t- church treasurer. Then went on uh, to turn up at 7 o'clock every morning, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and Friday, uh, to set up the church for people who were coming into the building to hire the rooms. Even when he was waiting on two hip replacements, he would still turn up every single day, other than a Thursday, because that was when they had bacon butties and he went walking with his wife. Um, And he would come and faithfully set up the church People like Miss Austin. Now, in the church that I went to, when, we first, when he first first arrived, I was eight. Um, as you walked up, you walked up some steps that you couldn't get up if you had low mobility issues. And then as soon as you walked in, they had a big, probably about eight foot piece of wood where you hung your coats on. So you couldn't see what was behind this. And it was probably about 20 feet long. And there was two aisles down either side and, and Pews. Remember those days of pews? I don't miss them. <laughs> um, so, what? As, you, as a young person, what we'd used to do is we'd we'd peek around to see where Miss Austin was. Miss Austin was a seventy-year-old lady who had learning difficulties, was never married, but how she showed her love for Jesus was by finding you, hugging you, and giving you a big kiss on the lips. It was pre-COVID. Um, but she was such a beautiful natured woman and a Christian that just loved Jesus. So what we would do is we'd see which side she was on and we would go down the opposite side. But then eventually it clicked as to why she was doing it. She was expressing in the only way she knew how, her love for Jesus. And then at, at about 14, 15, I was like, I need to find where Miss Austin is that's what she wants to do. That's how she ministered to the church in her way. Boris and Martha. Boris was um, a Yugoslavian and Martha was a German. They met in Wales when Boris came over to work in the mines and uh, served the church faithfully. They used to get up five o'clock on a Saturday morning and go and clean the church after all the youth activities on a Friday night and would set up the church uh, on a uh, ready for Sunday. And that was how they served the church. You see, my heroes didn't have worldwide fame. My heroes were those people who faithfully week in and week out said, I wanna show my love for Jesus by serving the people of God. And that was just a fantastic example for me growing up to understand how people served God in such a humble way. They were unsung, not many people knew they were doing it, but they served faithfully for years and years. Last time I talked, I talked about the greatest commandments love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might. And then Jesus goes on to talk about love your neighbour as yourself. Now, what I'm going to talk about in a moment is a little bit later in the story. And it's just after Jesus has washed uh, the disciples' feet. And it's found in a book in the New Testament called John, which was written by a guy called John, believe it or not. Um, It's the fourth book of the New Testament, which talks about the life and ministry of Jesus. And... Uh, So it's just after the disciples have had their feet washed by Jesus and just before he was betrayed. So Jesus knew what was coming. Jesus knew that his life was going to be laid down and he was going to have to die to enable for us to be forgiven and live. So he starts to talk and drop hints to his disciples. And one of the things that he says is written in John 13, 34, and 35, which says this, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. You must also love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. It sounds similar to love your neighbour as yourself. But there's a couple of things which makes this a new commandment. The first one is love one another. The context is he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to the 12 guys that he has been walking with and journeying with over the last three years. So the context is actually the church in its earliest form. It's a a group of people that were following Jesus, which is what the church is. So that's the first thing. It's not love others. It's love one another. There's something unique that Jesus is sharing here that he's not said before. The second thing is this part. It says, as I have loved you. Never before have we had an example of how to love one another. But Jesus is now saying, love one another as I have loved you. I want to look at three aspects within the church today about love. And it's, Love says you are known. It says love gives. And then finally love forgives. And hopefully we will get something which is enriching to you today. Which is why being part of church is such an important thing to be. So firstly, love says you are known. Now, time for an embarrassing part. That is me There, that is me. Aged about eight or nine. Yeah, I was in primary school. Fashion wasn't great, but I had all the hand-me-downs from my older brothers. So I was always about 10 years out of date, which was never a good thing. Um, I was stinky. I was smiley. I was the youngest of four. uh, Brought up at a council house. We had one bath a week. And I was the last one to get in. So I probably stuck, which is why I like to shower regularly and often. Um, I'm sure if I spoke to a counsellor about it, it they, they would dig out all kinds of different things, but um, I don't mind being clean, so there we go. Um, you see, going back to my heroes, the Tony, the Boris, the Martha, the Miss Austin, they knew my name. Even though I won that nice, They knew who I was. They took me in. They welcomed me. There was another elderly couple called um, Mr. and Mrs. Eardley. And when Kath and I first started going out, we would go there for for chips and egg. And they'd cook chips and eggs for, for us two on a Friday normally. Um, and we would go there and we'd spend a couple of hours with them have some food with them and they'd always cook us chips and egg that was Mr. Eardley's favourite thing to, to cook they welcomed me in they knew who I was they knew my name they gave me biscuits which for an 8, 9 year old is great um, there is something about knowing that you are known that makes you feel secure it makes you feel safe it makes you feel at, at ease you know we have people walk uh, on the door. We don't just have it so to stop people breaking in. It's to welcome you as you come in. Psalm 84 10 says this, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wickeds. wicked." Wicked? Wicked. <laughs> um, the reality is this. We put people there to make feel, people feel Welcome. We put people in the room here to help people find their space to sit. And it's so important to recognise and realise that you are known. 1 Corinthians 8, 3 says this, But whoever loves God is known by God. Today you are known by God. Understand that you are known by God. But it's important also to realise that you are known here. You are known here by somebody. Somebody in this room will know your name. And it's important to realise that you are known and you are loved. Love says you are known. The second thing is love gives. The family of God is a breathing, living organisation that loves Jesus. But why do you come to church when you come to church? Why do you come? Sometimes you come crawling in because you've had a heck of a week. And I get that. And there's always an element when you come to church that you receive something because that's how God works. But what do you give? There's about 100 people in this place today. What? Do you give? Jesus says, love as I have loved. That love that Jesus has loved is a sacrificial love. It's also got a, a, a weird Greek name called agape love. And one person puts, this, puts it this way about agape love. Agape love is the cross extending its arms to embrace all humanity. Agape loves when it is not always convenient and when it is not reciprocated. When it is not reciprocated. So often we give because we want to get. Jesus gave for giving's sake. And in our lives, we need to show that sacrificial love to one another. Boris and Martha served faithfully. They gave faithfully of themselves. The majority of the church did not know that they did it. They just turn up and it was done. Not for reward, but simply because they loved Jesus's church and Jesus loves his church. And that's why he gave the ultimate sacrifice of his own life. Love gives. Next thing, and final thing I want to talk about is love forgives. Don't put your hands up, but who has ever been hurt by church? Don't put your hands up. Do not put your hands up. But has church actually hurt you? or was it just an individual, one person or maybe a couple of people? I was down in Stoke not long ago um, and stopping with some friends that used to come to our church. And we were chatting late one night and um, I discovered that the husband nearly didn't go back to church. They, let, they were leaving our church because they were moving house. And, um, and I discovered through just general chatting that he nearly never set foot back in church again. And it was because something I had said to him, which shocked me, absolutely shocked me when I found out about it. Thankfully, they'd forgiven me, they'd they'd fed me, so uh, they'd obviously forgiven me. Um, But it shocked me when I heard that, that I had done something that meant somebody nearly never set foot back in church. And those people that know me knows that's not who I am. That's not what I would do. It's not my intention to have done that. But it absolutely, totally unknowingly had such an impact on somebody's life that nearly made them turn their back on church. Matthew 18, 21 and 22 says this. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, Peter thought, I'll try and get some brownie points. You see, the old way, the the rabbinic law, or the people, the rabbis, the church leaders of the time when Jesus was around, they used to say, three strikes and you're out. So it was, you forgive somebody. Three times and then that was it. You're done with them. You cut them out of your life. So Peter added another few on. He doubled it and added another one and said, shall I just forgive them seven times, Lord? But Jesus goes on to say, no, 77 times. But Jesus wasn't being literal. So, you know, for example, let's take me. Somebody's got a tally bar uh, on their wall as if you're counting off days when you're in prison. Okay, so Sean looked at me funny the other week. There's one. 76 to go. Sean's got tattoos and there's something in the Bible about that. Two. 75 to go. Sean's growing a beard. He looks weird. Don't like beards. Three. Three. Sean didn't give me a twirl. Four. There you go. That's for everybody. Um, now, here's a controversial one, and I, I backed out on this one. So, um, the next one will, will be five. If you put that up for me. Brill, thank you. Um, Sean's preaching in shorts. <gasps> this is a big conversation in our offices, you know. Whether we can preach in shorts or not is a big conversation. We haven't dared do it yet. But as me and Steve gruner said, we want to, oh yeah, you have done it once, haven't you, Steve? Yeah. We want to point Jesus, people to Jesus, not to stare at our legs all the time. But there we go. That's five. We've got 72. Forgiveness, and this 77 thing, isn't about, tallying them up and saying, right, you've done 77. That's your lot. I'm done with you. (laughs) That's not what Jesus meant. Jesus says, don't worry about how many times somebody lets you down. Because you've let me down so many times already. And I don't hold them against you. So don't hold them against my people. There's a book called Outcry. Outcry written by a guy called Ryan Romeo. And it's basically the principle of this is he gathers a load of uh, church leaders, worship leaders, various people, and gets them to talk about the church. And one of the quotes in this book says this. says, what... Ah, yeah, there it is. Uh, The church is full of imperfect people working out the perfect gospel. We are a bunch of broken vessels, or as I like to call us, crackpots, um, working out something that is so perfect that even we can work with it. And even we can see transformation in people's lives, even us. So when you get hurt by somebody, it isn't the church hurting you, it's somebody who is imperfect, trying to work out The perfect gospel in their lives. I love the church. 42 years I've been part of the church. And I've served, I've worshipped in two churches in that time. And I have been hurt time and time again in the one in Stoke and the one here. But I choose to forgive because I know I'm forgiven. When I was down in Stoke not long ago, I was doing some work on my dad's house for him. And um, my dad's got low mobility. And I just heard this voice from the living room. He's said, like, Sean. So I went into him. And he said this. That church thing. I'm like, yeah. Are you still doing it? I'm like, yeah, dad. Yeah, I'm not going to stop doing it because I believe in it. Because Jesus believes in it. And the reality of it is, in those 42 years, I've not given up on the church. Because I don't see that Jesus has given up on the church either. But so often we forget to love one another. We don't have a problem with loving those people out there. Sometimes we have issues loving people in here. And we've got to get it right. Because that's how they will know that we are his disciples. If we love one another. What would people see today if they walk in? Would they see a bunch of people that loved each other, that was welcoming, that was warm, that was loving? Do our actions and our words show others that we are sharing the love of Jesus with one another? Saint Augustine wrote this, what does love look like? It has hands to help others. It has feet to hasten to the poor and needy. It has eyes to see misery and want. It has ears to hear the sighs and sorrows of men. That is what love looks like. Do we have hands ready to move? Do we have feet ready to take us into action? Do we have arms that welcome in love? do we have ears that hear the cries of the lonely and the destitute galatians 6:10 says so then as we have opportunity let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith so not good for other people outside of the church but also good for those in church so today What does this mean for me? What does it mean for you? She's got three things. Firstly, are you known in this place today? If not, why not? Is it our fault or is it yours? Because you sneak in, sneak out. I get that, why people do that. But we want you to be known. We want to know who you are. So why not say hello to somebody today? Why not grab a coffee and speak to somebody? What do you give? Faithfully, people, week after week, turn up to serve. What about joining a volunteer team and helping out? Maybe you've got some time during the week that you'd want to sit in reception and help us there. Maybe you've got other things. Maybe you want to come and help set up rooms so that other people can get on with other things. Maybe it's something that you feel that you're able to do. You can do that and you can chat with Di over on the uh, welcome over there by the boards if you want to do that. And then finally, which is probably the hardest one, do you need to forgive somebody today? Is there somebody that you have been chalking off on your wall or in your heart, scar after scar, because they've hurt you. Perhaps it's time for you to have some forgiveness as you have been forgiven. Tom, the band, can you make your way back up? I just wanna pray, and then Tom's gonna lead us in our next song. If you're able to, would you like to stand with me now? Jesus I just want to thank you today that this is your church it doesn't belong to me it doesn't belong to anybody here it is your church and you have placed us here at this time to continue to work out your perfect gospel through our broken lives God sometimes we get it right sometimes we get it wrong sometimes we just don't know what we're doing but we know that you do. And we thank you. We thank you that you love your church. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that when we get it wrong, you forgive us. And we thank you most of all, Lord, that you gave everything that you had to your life and gave it up for us and your church. Help us today to love the people around us. Help us to forgive them Help us to share who we are with them today, in Jesus' name, amen.